What is going on, everyone? This is Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And here in today's episode, we are going to take a look back in time to our 2020 NFL mock draft and see how it aged over time. And also, we're going to go around the hoop and talk about the new NBA playing game structure and share our thoughts on that. And now let me introduce you guys to the rest of the crew. And what is going on, guys? It is Connor, the co-host with the most. And uh, excited to look back on the 2020 uh, Mock Draft 2.0. There were some trades that Zach and I made that were pretty interesting. Uh, not all of them worked out exactly very well, but it be interesting to look back and see how we did and you know if the teams made good picks or uh, what happened there. And uh, I'm also excited this isn't related to the podcast, but I have a new picture since my Hurricanes won their division for the first time in 15 years. So I had to get that up there. But I'm excited to talk about that and talk about the prospect of the Hornets uh, maybe making the playoffs or yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, guys? It's Nate here. Uh, we were looking over the uh, our last year's mock draft results before the show, and there are definitely some... Uh, interesting moves and selections there. So it'll be fun to go back uh, through that and, um, like Connor said, see what we got right and wrong. And uh, hopefully our um, takes from this year are going to be a little bit closer uh, when we hope maybe do this episode again in the future. Yeah, definitely. Like, we'll, we're going to, we just did our mock 2.0 a couple episodes ago. So uh, next cool. year around this time, we'll be looking back on that. And I have a feel, you know, Trevor Lawrence, like, no matter what he does, it's going to be like, yeah, that's, that's a no-brainer pick still. Like, you can't be—nobody's going to be mad about not taking him number one. But the others, definitely, like Justin Fields at two that I had, that could yeah. be a controversial one. Well, also, we had a lot more trades in the one this yeah, year we than we did in the one last time, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's get things started off here. We'll kind of just— um break these down, I guess, five at a time to start out with and then talk about them— uh in order so let me just go ahead and tell you guys so the first five picks here we had a trade actually between the number two and number one so if you don't remember the Bengals had the number one overall pick and the Washington football team had the number two overall pick and we did a trade where myself was picking for the football team I traded up to number one so I took over number one pick and I gave up a 2021 first round pick, which ended up being like pick 21 pick or something nine, like that. Yeah, 19. 19. Yeah. And then a fourth round pick that year. And then in that trade, I selected Joe Burrow to the Washington football team. And then Connor, who is the one making the trade for the Bengals point of view, he drafted Tua Tugavailoa. Um, and then at pick three, Nate uh, had the pick for the Detroit Lions and took Chase Young. And then we had another trade where the Jaguars <laughs> traded up to number four. Yeah, get this, guys. Connor, as the Jaguars, <laughs> traded up to number four to draft Jeff Okuda. And in that trade, he gave up a 2021 Jacksonville first-round pick. Not the Rams' first-round pick, the Jaguars' first-round pick. And the 2020 fifth-round pick to get Jeff Okuda. So we'll talk about that. And then and that also 2021 in, first was the number one overall. pick. Yep. <laughs> Everybody knows that that happened. And then fifth overall, Connor was picking for the dolphins and took Justin Herbert. So that's a lot to go through in the top five here. We'll get, we'll start with the first one here, the burrow to the football team. 
And then Tua goes to the Bengals. Um, obviously, I feel like the football team came out ahead on this trade. And man, if just imagine if they had Burrow, like if the Washington football team had Joe Burrow as their quarterback, the NFC East last year wouldn't have been as big of a joke. It still would have been a joke, but I feel like they would have had a couple more wins. You know, they've got a better offensive line, uh, better run game, I think, better defense than the Bengals. I really feel like Washington could have won a couple more games and maybe made that playoff game interesting. Um, So, Connor, looking back on this, since uh, from my point of view, making this trade, I'm going to rate it an A because I just gave up one first round pick to to move up and get the best quarterback from the draft. You end up getting Tua to the Bengals. What would you grade this uh, trade for yourself? I'd probably give this trade a C plus, I think, because, I mean, we saw how Burrow played with the Bengals. Like, you know, he was really good, obviously, and then got hurt. But even with Burrow under center, like the Bengals still couldn't make too much headway. And they're going to make even less headway with Tua under center. I mean, you know, obviously they still don't have the offensive line. They still didn't have the weapons and whatnot. I mean, well, they had weapons, but they still didn't have the offensive line, which was the main thing. The Bengals still didn't have the defense. Like it would have just been worse for the Bengals, honestly. Like I think in this scenario, like I don't know if they would have gotten the number one overall pick, but like. In this scenario, I think they would have been fighting for with the Jets mm-hmm. and the Jaguars for it. Like we, because the, there we knew that the Bengals were going to be bad last year, but there wasn't ever really any point where we were like, "Oh, the Bengals, like they're going to get the first overall pick." It was always between the Jets and the Jaguars. But yeah. I think the Bengals would have entered that conversation had it been, uh, had this been the way around. And also, you know, grading it like you said for the football team, like you know they gave up their first round pick, but it was only pick nineteen. You know, it's not like uh, which. You know, in hindsight, it could have been. We higher. thought that that pick was going to be a lot better. I remember. Right, right. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like it could. Yeah. We thought that the football team was going to be worse. But in hindsight, you know, they um, even if they had had Burrow like that could have been pick, you know, 23, 24, like, you know, so the Bengals really wouldn't have gotten much out of that. So um, I rate this as a massive win for the football team. And like I said, I probably give the Bengals a C plus given that. Uh, yeah, they would have been they would have been better off, honestly, here taking Chase Young instead of taking Tua, given how he performed, or taking Herbert. But I don't think anyone really, they didn't grasp that yet at that yeah. point. So I think they would have been better off taking Chase Young at this point. Yeah, and then at number three, the Lions, they, they're they like, you know, two trades right above them, a trade below them, but they stand still at number three. And Nate, you had them taking Chase Young. I feel like a no brainer spot for the, for the lions to do um, take the best defensive player from the draft. And he would have been a lot better for them than Jeff Okuda, who is their actual first round pick at pick number three. So Nate, I'll ask you this question because Herbert's still on the board here. And I know we've had Connor and I've had debates like this. If you, if, if this had been reality and you know what you know now, would you have taken chase young or would you have taken Herbert for the lions? you know, knowing that you would trade Stafford um, after the season. So you would have Herbert, but he wouldn't have played his rookie year. What would, would you have still picked Herbert or, or taken young? Yeah. So that's kind of a tricky one there. I feel like obviously um, if they knew that they were going to get rid of uh, Matt Stafford after last season, they knew that Herbert was going to be, you know, probably, you know, um, either the best or tied with Burrow was the best rookie quarterback 
in the class, then it would be a tough uh, thing to pass up. But I think just looking at the Lions um, roster as a whole, I still feel like Young would be the better uh, value with that pick just because I mean, he's a defensive end. Uh, you saw how he um, played in Washington as a rookie. Um, he's got crazy talent and upside. And it's like he can produce really anywhere, put him on any of the 32 teams, and he's going to uh, go out and get sacks and make an impact. And it's like Herbert, uh, I feel like obviously the Chargers aren't an amazing team, but he does have guys like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, uh, Austin Eckler's disposal, whereas um, in Detroit, it's like he just doesn't have those same kind of weapons. And he would still be a good quarterback, and um, I think he'd be better than Jared Goff as uh, being their quarterback for the future. But um, I feel like it'd be hard to say that he'd have had the same success if he mm-hmm. uh, was the guy in Detroit rather than uh, L.A. So I think Young would still be uh, the better value in that spot, personally. But um, really can't go wrong with either of those, I guess. Yeah. And then that moves us to number four here, which is where that big the the trade happened. <laughs> so the Jaguars traded the four in our mock draft to take Okuda. And as a part of that trade, the Giants, who originally were at pick four, um, they they get the number one overall pick in 2021 and a fifth rounder. And of course, the Jaguars ended up taking C.J. Henderson, another corner. I remember, you know, corner was was a huge, huge need for the team at this point in time. Uh, So, Connor, talk us through the uh, (laughs) the Okuda pick here for the Jaguars. What would they have done differently? And. Just this one aged badly, man. <laughs> definitely. I mean, at the time, it definitely seemed like the correct decision. I mean, like you said, corner was a huge, huge need for them. And Okuda was supposed to be, you know, I mean, he could still turn out to be something really good. But, you know, obviously had a very disappointing rookie season. It seems like all, all these corners that got t- taken in the first round all had like bad rookie seasons. Like even like, you know. Okuda had a bad one. Henderson had like a really good first game against Indy. Mm-hmm. And then like he, he trailed off AJ Terrell had a really bad first season. Like all these corners didn't perform well. So, um, you know, like I said, looking back, it wasn't good. I guess what you do differently in this spot. Um, I mean, if I'm the Jaguars at this point, I take Justin Herbert. I mean, yeah. you know, if you're, if we're going by that, you know, what happened above them, you know, Burrow to a young, like then I would take Justin Herbert because, you know, you don't really need, um, I mean, the, we found out that, again, that was the biggest need for them. Um, you know, they weren't as committed to Gardner Minshew as we thought. And, you know, they could have taken Justin Herbert. Obviously, they could have taken someone like Derek Brown or Isaiah Simmons. But um, it would have been interesting to see if they had taken Isaiah Simmons. Because I know, like, you know, I know we're going to get to him in a second. But I know the biggest thing that hampered him this year was the fact that the Cardinals just didn't know how to use him properly. So, um, you know, I'd be interested to see if the Jaguars would have known how to use him and that would have obviously bolstered their defense. But it makes sense to me in this spot that obviously, especially since you're not going to have the number one overall pick now, like you have to get Herbert. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, the Giants ended up with pick 10, right? Pick nine. Or, or, pick, pick, or pick 11. Well, in the, oh, this, are you this, talking about in the, the yeah, this, and year's, this draft. year's draft? Yeah. They ended up with pick 11. So, um you know, moving up. And so they have one and 11, you know, the Jaguars wouldn't have picked until 25 with the Rams pick. So 
the, definitely, the Giants definitely. would have taken Trevor Lawrence too. Like no oh, doubt. Yeah. Like oh, I, yeah. nobody's gonna say they would have helped Daniel Jones. Like no, no, no. There is <laughs> they no would have taken Trevor Lawrence. There is no way they would have taken like Kyle Pitts or someone like that. Like no, they would have taken Lawrence, and then you know they would have gone out and gotten the weapons at pick eleven. You know, or mm-hmm. traded down to get Tony like they did. So yeah. Terrible, terrible, terrible thing for the Jaguars, but you know, at least they could have salvaged something here with Harvard if had yeah. to do the, if we had to do this again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost like we're doing it again again. <laughs> um Okay, so then at pick number five, speaking of Herbert, he goes to the to the Dolphins. This was picked by Connor. So Connor picked three or yeah, he picked no, he picked two of the quarterbacks here in the top five. So Herbert going five to the Dolphins. I feel like the Dolphins definitely would have rather had Herbert than Tua right now. You know, it, it's <laughs> I, I'm not saying Tua is going to be a bust, Dolphins fans, but if you could pick between the two, you'd want Herbert based on what you saw, offensive rookie of the year, obviously. So he broke a lot of records, like yeah, he was he was sensational, and with that team that they had, they they could be competing for a Super Bowl, honestly, this year. They they would be legit contenders. Oh yeah. I think. Yeah, if you I had agree. a proven quarterback like Herbert ended up, you know, proven. Yeah. There wouldn't have been any of this dance between like, you know, Fitzpatrick and Tua. Like um, Herbert would have taken the starting job is what would have happened. So, yeah. um, and, you know, like you said, with the team they had, a team that missed out on the playoffs by a tiebreaker, like, <laughs> you know, a t- any team like that, it's going to massively improve their chances. So yeah. um, I, this is a big win for the Dolphins. If this would have actually happened, it would have been a big, big win for them. And then at pick six, let's go six through ten. Uh, this is for the Chargers. Nate had them taking Isaiah Simmons. And then at pick seven, the Carolina Panthers. Nate had them picking Derek Brown. I had the Cardinals at eight taking Jedrick Wills. And then at pick nine, as a part of the trade, the Giants picking Andrew Thomas, who they actually ended up doing at pick four in real life. And then at pick 10, the Browns uh, nag Tristan Wirfs, the tackle uh, picked by Connor. So, uh, yeah, let's get to Isaiah Simmons first here at six to the Chargers. Nate, you had them picking Simmons. He definitely had a disappointing rookie season. Everybody had huge um, expectations for him. They thought he would like be a revolutionary player playing all these different positions. In my opinion, though, the problem with the Cardinals and Simmons, and I wonder if the Chargers, you can answer if you think the Chargers would have done it differently, is they never really established him at doing one thing. I think they should have started him out at linebacker and played him until he was fully comfortable at linebacker, and then you can expand out from outward. But it seemed like they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't have a plan for him. And and uh, for the Chargers here at pick six, do you think you would... Do you still like this or knowing how the offensive lineman did, do you think that taking an offensive lineman would have been better? Yeah, so I think uh, looking back, I definitely think um, the offensive lineman would have been a better better, uh, pick for the value there. Um, I think Simmons, um, I think he still has huge upside, and I agree that the um, Cardinals could have probably used him better, but um, I do, I mean, I think that, if he would have, like you said, if he would have just been in one uh, role to start his career, he would have had a better uh, rookie season. He'd probably be in better shape uh, going forward. But I feel like looking back, I think knowing that the O-linemen um, that were selected after him 
performed so well, I think that would have been a better pickup for the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, pick seven, let's move things along here. The Carolina Panthers, they take Derek Brown in this mock draft, and they actually did that in real life too. That was one, like, all the mock drafts had them taking Derek Brown. I think he played solid. There's nothing glaringly wrong about no. this pick, in my opinion. It, no no reason no. for them to change it. Yeah, no reason for them really to change it. He he should be a good player. And then we have the Cardinals. This is where, this is a change for sure. They take offensive line here. Jedrick Wills, uh, I had them taking him at pick eight. In real life, they took Simmons. I think... I think this would have been a lot better pick for the Cardinals. Um, you get a, a protection piece for Kyler Murray. And Wills ended up being, you know, a lot of these offensive linemen in the first round did really well, especially the tackles at the top. And so Wills would have been fine for them. Uh, I, I feel like he would have been a really solid tackle for them. And then at pick nine, and then we have another tackle going off the board. The Giants taking Andrew Thomas. This was as a part of that trade that we talked about earlier. This is who they also took in real life. So our mock draft had some had some accuracy to it, at least for the team's sake. Uh, so because also we had. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, so with Thomas here, I still don't think Thomas is a bust, but it's all he's like the Tua of the offensive linemen, in my opinion. It's like. He played bad at at the start of the season. He got better, but both Wirfs and Becton would have been better picks for the Giants here. So I'll I'll grade my pick as like a D, just because instantly the other guys would have been a lot better than Thomas was. Uh, and then to round the top ten out, we had Wirfs going to the Browns. In real life, they took Wills. So uh, not so, too big of a difference here, but yeah, just a, but, like like a very very slight improvement like yeah. basically it was like when you could when you took the tackles from last year it was like were like you had Werfs and wills were the top two like most people kind of generally um agreed that Werfs was slightly better but obviously wills was really good too because you know you looked at the browns offensive line was great um and then and you wills know played left tackle and whereas Werfs was right, right Werfs, yeah so wills had to deal with you know pass rushing and everything for more often. So, you know, those were pretty interchangeable with maybe a slight edge to Werfs. And then, you know, Becton was the consensus third best. And then obviously Thomas. So, um, you know, the Browns don't lose anything here. I mean, you know, who it could, it would have changed something obviously. Cause like you said, you know, Wills is a left tackle and Werfs is a right tackle, but I mean, you know, that offensive line would have still been great. So mm-hmm. I don't think it changes much. Yeah. Browns basically stayed the same. And then this is where things get interesting. Uh, pick 11 for the New York Jets. Nate had them taking C.D. Lamb instead of Makai Becton, who is, their real, who is the real pick here. And in our mock draft, Becton went a couple picks later. So I'll ask Nate this. Uh, if you were to go back, Nate, would you have still picked Lamb or would you have done Becton, who they did in real life, or somebody, somebody else? Yeah, um, going back, I thought um, at that time I wasn't really sold on any of the O-linemen. I really just hadn't watched enough uh, tape or games, I feel like, on those guys. So, But I knew that C.D. Lamb was going to be a stud, and he was pretty good for the Cowboys. Um, but I think um, their pick, picking Becton probably would have been a better immediate solution for the Jets just because um, the way Sam Darnold played and all the other issues with their offense, like nobody would have been getting getting uh, C.D. Lamb the ball 
anyways. So it's like, you know, we won't we won't be talking about him as an impact rookie right now um, if he had been in New York because um, this would have been a bad fit for him. So I think it definitely should have uh, gone with the O-lineman there. Yeah, that's that's fair. And then speaking of receivers, I have at pick 12 for the Raiders. I had the the Raiders taking Jerry Judy. And of course, they took uh, Henry Ruggs, the surprising pick in real life. And uh, both of these guys, Judy and Ruggs, were disappointments. But I still really like Judy's potential more. He had a drop issue for sure. But I still think his route running is very good. And I think he'll get better. He did have to deal with Drew, uh, Drew Locke and Blake Bortles and that mess of quarterbacks in Denver. That wide uh, receiver that stepped in to play quarterback at that, yeah, that point. <laughs> yeah, that guy. So going to to Derek Carr would have been a lot better for Judy's sake. And the Raiders, they, they still needed um, receiving help for sure at this point in time. You know, they, they had a, a true need for receiver. I just think they took the wrong one with Ruggs. And there were a lot of other good ones here, like uh, later down the board, Justin Jefferson, obviously, like he you could argue he could have gone to any of the teams above us also just on his production alone, not necessarily need, but production wise, Jefferson would have been better. A lot of guys would have been better than Judy. So it's a C pick for me, in my opinion. And then at pick 13 for the Buccaneers, this is another pick we got right than the Niners. Oh, sorry, the Niners. I'm getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> um, the Niners, Connor had them taking Javon Kinlaw, and that's who they took in real life. So I think Kinlaw kind of got lost last year. I don't know if he was hurt or not, but you never really heard anything about him. Is this a bad pick, you think? Well, it's one of those things It's kind of hard to judge. Like, I mean, I know the 49ers have another pick on this later, but like, it's kind of hard to judge any of their picks just because of the fact that like, so many of their people were hurt last year that it's just kind of like, well, you know, I could, you know, you can make an argument that like, oh, maybe they should have taken, you know, Mackay Becton, or maybe they should have taken like this guy, or maybe they should have taken Jefferson. Like, who knows? Like, it's just, it's hard. I mean, I don't see any reason for them to not take Kinlaw here just because, you know, that was the need. They needed defensive tackle. Um, but. You know, who's to say, like, what could have happened if they stayed healthy? And like I said, that maybe he, that's why he got lost, because, you know, you know, defensive tackles already aren't big stat putter uppers. And then especially mm-hmm. when, you know, Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead are out for the season, like, you know, you're going to start drawing more attention there from the offensive line since they don't have to worry about those guys. So um, I, it's one of those things like for Javon Kinlaw, I wouldn't look too much into his rookie season. Next year is going to be really the key. Like, all right was this a good pick or not? Cause I feel like we can't really judge that yet. Yeah, I, I agree. There, there could be players that didn't play well or were hurt that end up next year balling out. We see it all the time. Uh, it takes a year development now to the Buccaneers at pick 14, the eventual Super Bowl champions. I had them taking, uh, Makai Becton in this draft. They obviously ended up with Worfs. Um, it's tough to say, if that downgrade from Wurfs to Becton would have, I don't think it would have affected their Super Bowl chances. Uh, you know, Becton was still very good. Um, so the the need stays the same. And also one of the better players uh, is still there for them in Becton. And then going to the Broncos at pick number 15, this is where Ruggs goes. And this is Nate's pick here. So this is uh, Nate. This, this is one they took Judy in real life. So you have them taking Ruggs. Um, 
I, I think this Ruggs was the worst of the receiver group at the high end in the draft. Uh, how do you how do you like this a year later, Nate? This pick. Yeah, I think that uh, Jerry Judy definitely uh, worked out better for the Broncos than uh, Henry Ruggs would have. Um, I think last year I definitely knew they needed a receiver um, to try and help Drew Locke, and um, Judy went off the board where we all expected him to to the Raiders and didn't fall to the Broncos like he did in real life. So um, I think Broncos fans would be happy that things uh, didn't go according to our mock draft last year. Always got to thank the Raiders, you know. They always got to do something out of the box. <laughs> yeah, right. they, they do. Um, <laughs> yeah, th- this is looking down the list, too. We'll get to the Raiders' other pick. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> pick 16 here, the Falcons. They take C.J. Henderson. This was my pick here. Nate, or no, not Nate. Uh, the, the, the real draft had them taking A.J. Terrell, which I remember on draft night. That was a shock. That was a big... That's a all reach. Like, wow, that was a reach. <laughs> he ended up playing. Terrell was okay, I feel like. But uh, I had them taking Henderson. I feel like Henderson definitely didn't uh, perform as well as everyone would have liked. But, you know, with corners, it all it seems to always take them a year to get used to the NFL. And the NFL receivers are so good these days. Like, feels like every team has, like, a receiver that's really good. And Henderson was on a terrible defense, obviously. He had no other secondary help at all. Um, Kind of a bad situation for him in Jacksonville, and he got hurt as well, too. Going to the Falcons, I don't think things really change much for the Falcons. I mean, they still have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. He doesn't make them a whole lot better. Um, I don't love the pick just just because of the guys that were still left on the board. There would have been better picks for him, but... Well, that's um, what I'm saying. Do, do you think it would be it would have been better for them to take like Caleb on Chase on or Patrick Queen here or something like that? Yeah, I think Queen would have been better. Um, I think some of the receivers, if they if you know Jefferson goes up higher, Higgins goes up higher, um, maybe one of those receivers falls to them in real life if they were redoing this. But um, yeah, there would have been better picks for him. I feel like, but it's not the worst pick in the world. And also, two guys not even showing up on here that ended up being picked in the second round, like Antoine Winfield Jr. You know, he would have been a better oh, yeah. pick, I think. Uh, so, absolutely. A safety. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, so at pick 17 here, this is a, this is a controversial one. At, it was at the time. <laughs> it was now. The, <laughs> uh, I feel like Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay would be a lot happier if this mock draft happened. And that's because Connor took, uh, took Jordan Love, the quarterback, to the Dallas Cowboys. So the real interesting thing about this is that gets hurt. What if Love comes in, and we still don't know how Love is going to be. What if he does really well, and then Dak Prescott is a free agent and is not on the Cowboys anymore? Just like this would have been so crazy because Dak ended up actually getting hurt. Love would have played. We would have known. Um so talk us through that and, and the fallout of this pick. Yeah, well, I mean, I know the reason why I made that pick was because, honestly, I did not expect the, um, at the time, I didn't expect the Cowboys were going to re-sign Dak Prescott because I was thinking in my head, I was like, you know, it's too much money, like, the rest of their team's going to be trash, which, I mean, honestly, 
I think that's going to be what's going to happen <laughs> now. You know, they went out and gave Dak this massive, massive contract, and it's like, I don't actually know the statistic, but, you know, I'm willing to bet somewhere around, like, 70% of their salary cap is going to, like, Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, and Demarcus yeah. Lawrence. And it's like, it, I mean, I know we're not doing previews or anything for next season, but honestly, like, I, I think the Cowboys are going to be trash again next year because, like, you're spending all your money on this. So, yeah, it would have been really interesting, though, to see because, I mean, especially, like you said, if Dak had hit the the open market, like, oof, you know, all these quarterback needy teams, like you had, you know, the Washington football team, you had the Bears, you had the Broncos, like, it would have been real interesting to see where he ended up because, yeah, I honestly think if Jordan Love had come in and played well, they wouldn't have re-signed Dak because it's like, okay, again, invest in other areas of your team. You know, it's what the Patriots have been so good at for so long. You know, Tom Brady never commanded a $40 million a year salary because he knew that, you know, all right, we need to invest in other parts of the team. So, um, you know, I and I will say, I guess if I had to think about it, if they don't take Jordan Love here, let's say, let's say, you know, for some reason we knew he was already going to be a bust or whatever, you know, there's other options for them here. I mean, obviously, you know, they got CeeDee Lamb in real life, but in this mock, Justin Jefferson's still on the board. So, you know, they could have easily gotten, you know, that third receiver already still. They could have gotten more edge rush help with Chase on. They could have gotten Patrick Queen. You know, we saw they drafted Micah Parsons this year. Like, that would have solved that problem. So, um, a lot of options here for the Cowboys at this spot. But, you know, Jordan Love, like, like you said, we still don't know what uh, <laughs> what he is. But, yeah, you're right. Aaron Rodgers would be a, a much happier man right now if it wasn't Yeah, the <laughs> somewhere there's, like, an alternate reality. I don't know if you guys believe in that or not, but... There's an alternate universe where Jordan loves on the Cowboys. Aaron Rodgers signed an extension in Green Bay, and things are totally different there. <laughs> okay. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe they actually went out and got him another receiver, and the Packers could compete. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the Giants get Trevor Lawrence. And <laughs> oh my god. Um, okay, pick 18 here. The Dolphins, their second first round pick. Nate had them taking Chase on here. In real life, they took Austin Jackson a tackle. Oof. Um, <laughs> so Nate uh, chase on he really disappeared for the Jaguars I think it was a lot of it was similar to the um to the Simmons thing where they handled it badly um so speak on this pick and if you think chase on as a player is a bust as a lot of Jags fans think he is or do you think in Miami he would have been differently used differently and been better yeah so I feel like it's a little bit early to say um, he's a bust just after one year, but he did uh, disappear, like you said. Um, I don't. I, I thought coming into the league, he had a lot more, sort of a lot more promise and potential than uh, what he's shown so far with the Jags. I don't know if things would have been different for him uh, with the Dolphins. Um, I think honestly, Jacksonville on paper should have been an even better situation because he was coming into a roster that already had um, Josh Allen opposite of him. Um, you know, so you would have thought that uh, having a talented guy like that on the other side to take away uh, attention and kind of, you know, coach him up and show him how to be a professional uh, would have helped. But um looks like it hasn't, you know, panned out quite yet. So um, I think he probably would might have even been worse with the Dolphins. So, um, yeah, I think overall uh, wouldn't have been a good pick for the Dolphins. And I'm hoping I think it's still working. 
out for the Jags. I think hopefully he can take a step forward and start to uh, put some of that potential into action. But, um, yeah, n- not really a great uh, selection for either of those teams. Yeah. Uh, pick 19 here. So another team with, with a first-round pick, the Raiders. Nate, you had them taking T. Higgins and real-life dick to Damon Arnett. Everyone was like, who? <laughs> <laughs> um, so you had them going receiver-receiver. I remember this was interesting at the time. Uh, Higgins would have been better, uh, or I guess Judy and Higgins. That would have been an interesting combination uh, to have. Is What do you think about Higgins a year later? Yeah, so I'm trying to think back to a year ago and why I would have um, had the <laughs> Raiders go receiver, receiver. <laughs> um, I don't know if I was just thinking like best available there at that slot or what. Um, but I do think that Higgins definitely has been better than Ruggs, I feel like. Um, he you know, he had some pretty good chemistry with Joe Burrow in uh, Cincinnati in real life, and I think uh, he would have been um, definitely better than Ruggs in Oakland. And I think him and Judy definitely would have been a great uh, young combination out there for Derek Carr. Um, I think their offense could have done some awesome stuff, but... Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure why uh, <laughs> I would have um, had the Raiders make that pick last year. Um, definitely don't, wouldn't have turned out badly, but I think um, looking at this board, there's a couple other guys down the way that might have uh, made more of an impact. They already had Jerry Judy. Yeah. Um, at pick 20 now, the Jaguars, I had them in this mock draft taking Patrick Queen. We know they took Chase on. I would have been a much bigger fan of queen on the team i feel like uh i feel like if you if you have queen you don't really have as big of a need for shower so you can kind of get rid of him and queen's more athletic anyways he would have fit this new defense better so i i still like queen i think he's going to be a good player i i wish i'd done this pick here uh to be honest but um <laughs> but uh obviously chase on he went earlier and we at the time we thought Chase on was was uh, going to be a good pick for him, but this brings us now to pick twenty one for the Philadelphia Eagles. So Connor, you had some you had some uh, embarrassing moments earlier in this mock draft, but you end up doing the right thing here to take Justin <laughs> Jefferson this to is, the Eagles. This is what the Eagles <laughs> wish they had done in real life. Yeah, because so <laughs> I mean, just think of the ramifications. Like, is it possible that if they have Jefferson, is Carson Wentz still on the team? I mean, like, I mean, what do you think about that? Like, it is interesting to think about that because, you know, obviously, you know, for people who don't know in real life, Jefferson was here. They took Jalen Rager at this spot in real life. And Justin Jefferson went to the Vikings with the next pick. But, you know, in my opinion, it's one of those things because a lot of people have said like, oh, like, would he have still had the same success with Carson Wentz? And I'm thinking to myself, like, well, it's not like, you know, he had a much better quarterback throwing to him with, you know, Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. So um, I know probably the biggest advantage, though, that he did have in Minnesota was that he was playing opposite of Adam Thielen. So, you know, you've got a, rec- a, a number one receiver that's already drawing uh, coverages and, you know, they have to focus on him so Jefferson could get more targets. Um, yeah, I don't. I I think he would have been good for the Eagles. Like I said, I think that Carson Wentz maybe stays. I mean, even if it's not Wentz, I feel like Hurts would have had more success than he did. I think one of them would have had more success than they did. Um, 
you know, like I said, not necessarily saying that Wentz would stay um, if Jefferson went there, but it's, you know, I don't think he puts up potential because he put up potential rookie of the year stats. Like had it not been for obviously Justin Herbert, Jefferson was the runner up for rookie of the year. So, um, you know, I don't think he would have put up those kinds of numbers, but I say he still breaks a thousand yards, um, you know, and he could get, you know, um, like nine or 10 touchdowns. So, um, and of course, I think one thing that helped him that the Eagles do have that would have still helped him too, is that, you know, obviously the Vikings also have Dalvin cook, but the Eagles, you know, I think a lot of people forgot that they actually have a really good running game. The problem is they just didn't use it at all because they were getting behind so early in games that they weren't able to get miles Sanders involved. Um, so I think it would have been really good for the Eagles. Like I said, I'm not saying that went states, there's a possibility, but one of those two between Wentz or Hertz would have had a much better season because of it. Yeah. And and they wouldn't have had to go Devonte Smith this year with him. Like that. Right. they've done like two they, years now in a row, taking a receiver first round. So, right. So they probably could have gone with something like, you know, some gotten some defense or an offensive lineman at that spot, you know, mm-hmm. this time around rather than like you said, Devonte Smith. And then we'll kind of move through these ones a little bit quicker, but here at pick 22, uh, Connor, you had the Vikings taking AJ Terrell. Um, obviously, they yeah. would prefer Jefferson, <laughs> who they got. I mean, they probably, they probably that, and they probably would have preferred Antoine Winfield. Yeah, because um, I remember a lot of mocks actually had them taking Xavier McKinney at this spot of safety. So you know, I'm sure they would have preferred Antoine Winfield. <laughs> yeah. Um, at pick 23 here, Nate, your Patriots. You you made the pick for your Patriots here, and you took, um. You took, uh, what's Kenneth his first Murray. name? Kenneth Murray, uh, the linebacker who was from Oklahoma. And he ended up going in the same spot to the Chargers. So you must have been pretty mad when they made this trade. Would uh, I don't remember what the Patriots gave up, but how do you feel about this now looking back? Yeah, so I I still feel like personally I would like them to take um, a linebacker in that spot. They traded down in real life to pick. Um, Kyle Duggar of Lenore Ryan in the second round. Um, I, think I remember he's gonna... that. I was like, what? Where is <laughs> that guy from? Like, what? Yeah, even as a, a Pats fan, I couldn't believe that pick. But um, I think he'll pan out and have a good career. But I still feel like um, if they could have gotten either Kenneth Murray or uh, Patrick Qu- Queen at that spot, I guess Queen was already off the board, so why I want Murray. Um, that makes sense. But, <laughs> but um, <laughs> if they could have gotten one of those linebackers, I think that would have been – um, more of an impact, um, just especially looking back last year with uh, Dante Hightower sitting out and all that stuff. Um, I think that would have been a better uh, value selection there. Yeah. Uh, moving down here, the Saints, the who had a terrible draft this year, They I had them taking A.J. Epinesa, the edge rusher there, and in real life they took Cesar Ruiz, Um at pick 25, the Minnesota Vikings. Connor had them taking LaVisca Chanel. In real life, they traded back and took Jeff Gladney. Um, I'm glad <laughs> they didn't take Chanel well, here. because. <laughs> well, hey, I think, you know, if they don't get Jefferson in this scenario, I think Chanel at this spot is a good... I mean, Chanel had his moments last year. Yeah, so he was good. He's definitely not, you know, anywhere near the level of, like, Jefferson or even, like, CeeDee Lamb or someone. But, you know, he definitely had his moments. He could have been a good opposite to Adam Thielen. So I think the Jets... I mean, the Jets... The Vikings, you know, they wouldn't be too upset 
with this, you know, looking back, but obviously no Jefferson would suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then we had the Miami Dolphins. I had them taking Kristen Fulton. This was honestly a terrible reach because he didn't get drafted until like the third or fourth round in real life. <laughs> um, I didn't realize that I, he, he must've fallen significantly off people's boards, but in real life, they took the, they took a corner name. E. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was, um, so I don't, I, know. I don't know. Too much I had like him. forgotten about that. I was like, when I was putting the real picks in here, I was Eek like, Bahim- wait, what? Like, yeah. Um, and then at pick 27, the Seahawks, uh, this is their last first round pick until the Jamal Adams trade. Um, they took, Itor Gross Matos and Nate, you had them picking here. In real life, this was another surprise there. They took uh Brooks. Can't even remember his first name, his honestly. Name he was Jordan not, Brooks, I think. Yeah, Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech. Uh, he's like a linebacker, I want to say. Yeah. But uh the Ravens at pick twenty eight, they take Jalen Rieger. This is the the reach here, I think. The Ravens, they in real life took Queen, but you know, it would have been Chase Claypool would have been a way better receiver. Michael Pittman, Brandon sec- Ayuk. second round picks. Yeah, Ayuk. A lot of better receiver selections later on in the draft that ended up going that would have been better than the Rieger pick. And then the Titans get uh, Xavier, Xavier McKinney. McKinney instead of Isaiah Wilson, <laughs> who played four snaps all of last season. So this pick sure is already any, I'm better. Pre- I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure any pick in this spot would have been better than Isaiah any Wilson. <laughs> better. Uh, yeah, it was basically like the league took away their first round pick. That's it's you know, that's what happened last year. They they got no production out of him. No trade. You really got nothing in the trade either. And then at pick 30 here. So this is an interesting. This is the Packers here. So obviously in real life, they traded up to 26 to get Jordan Love. In this mock draft, Connor had them taking uh, Austin, Austin Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, yes. that's what I thought. Yeah, Austin Jackson, the offensive lineman. So uh, I know you were cringing earlier when I said his name <laughs> to the Dolphins. Uh, I mean, he didn't have too good of a season. Well, especially, you know, like you said, like we were talking about before for the Ravens taking Raker, like the Packers could have easily taken Chase Claypool or Brandon Ayuk in this spot. And that would have, you know, again, in this universe, making Aaron Rodgers happy, that would have made Aaron Rodgers happy. You would have have been a happy, happy camper there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then to round things out, the last two, pick 31, the 49ers, uh, Nate had them taking Ruiz. In real life, they took Ayuk. Um, I feel like they Ayuk did really, really good for him last year with bad quarterback play. So they they would rather have Ayuk. And then at pick thirty two to round things out, I had them taking DeAndre Swift, the running back. So I got the running back part right. I just didn't think it would be Edward Delaire. Um I I think for them, I do think Edward Delaire would have been better, but still James Robinson. I mean, nobody would have thought that Robinson was undrafted. So he was, uh, yeah, that would have been totally nobody would have thought. But I mean, here's an interesting a guy one. like what, um, well, what yeah. if they took Zach Moss in this spot, like a real power back in this uh, spot here? I mean, I I think Dobbin. There are so many better or Dobbin, Dobbins. That's true. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Uh, there were some good running backs. Swift wasn't a bad one. He did have that. 
terrible <laughs> drop in week one. <laughs> so after week one, this looks, I mean, because Edwards Alaire had that huge game in week one and Swift had that terrible drop. So um, things balanced out. I, I, for the Chiefs, though, I still think Edwards Alaire would have been a good, is a good piece for what their offense is. But that will round out the top. But obviously, they should have gone offensive line or something because that offensive line ended up being so <laughs> in bad hindsight. on the stretch. Yeah, mean, in who, hindsight. Who, I don't even know who they would have taken, though, because like, yeah, they were all know. off the board in this spot. <laughs> Can't remember any any good uh, offensive linemen that went later. I'm sure there's some, but can't remember them off the top of my head. But anyways, guys, that that's the 2020 Mock Draft 2.0 that Clutch Crew Sports did last year. And so we were just wanting to look back on that and see all the hypothetical picks that we'd made. And definitely very interesting at the top, all the quarterback shuffling. And we'll be doing this again next year for the mock that we had just uh, two weeks ago. So there you go. Um, to wrap things up for the show, we're going to go around the hoop and talk about the the new NBA play-in tournament. So to start things out, I'll just tell you guys how the play-in tournament works. So the way it works is you have uh, you have stand, you have the East and the West, obviously, 15 teams. The top six are just normal. You know, you get the one, two, three, four, five, six. That's where you're at. And then it's the seven through ten in the seedings that enter this play-in tournament, quote-unquote, this play-in tournament, where two out of those four teams end up to go to the real playoffs. And then the real playoffs are are how they have always been. The matchups are always like that. But what happens is the seven plays the eight, and then that winner becomes the seven. And then you have the nine and the ten play, and then that winner plays the seven-eight loser. And then whoever wins that, gets the eight and rewind 10 seconds if you didn't get that all in one swoop (laughs) (laughs) a lot of so basically but it's an interesting format um and it's making it so that the 10 seed could potentially make the playoffs so i'll ask connor first if you're a fan of this if there's something you would change about it do you think this is what they should do moving forward um or get rid of it. What what do you what's your opinions of it um, before before we get on to talk about some of the potential of the games? I mean, for me, I think I think for this season it looks okay, um, given where all the teams are at right now. But in my opinion, I feel like this could be a problem in the future if they keep doing it. I mean, I can just use last year as an example. You know, you have. It could be a problem for for the seven seed or teams that are already like, you know, in the past, it was always just top eight. It can be a problem for like the seven seed or the eight seed, because if you look at last year, you know, in the bubble, you had by the time we got to the end of the season in the Western Conference, you had the Dallas Mavericks were the seven seed. They were eight games ahead of the Trailblazers in eighth, and they were only one game behind the Jazz in sixth. And it's like, okay, you're going to take this team that is eight games ahead of the eight seed, and you're going to make them have to play in a play-in tournament. Like, I, I think that's kind of garbage. Like, you shouldn't that, – that team, they worked hard all season. They should get in. Um, like I said, I think in the Eastern Conference, especially this year, it looks okay um, because a lot of these teams are bunched up, especially the Hornets, Wizards, and Pacers. Like, they're all separated by, you know, two games. Um, 
you know, if the Celtics start to win some of their last games, they might get a little upset. But um, I think in the future, this should more so be something if they're going to do it. I don't know how they would do this, honestly, um, with only three teams. But like, it seems to me it's only like the eight through the 10 that really should be a part of it. Because, again, I feel like every year we always have this where like the seven seed starts to break away. And I feel like that's really unfair to the seven seed, especially, like I said, with the case of the Mavericks. Um in last year or even like you know last year in the eastern conference with you know the magic were the eight seed and they were eight games ahead of the wizards who were the nine seed so i don't like the idea of punishing these teams that are you know because it is punishing them in a way like they've worked so hard they're eight games ahead and you're gonna say oh no never mind like you have to play in this play-in tournament and you know for all you know you could get eliminated you have a bad game so i think it's okay for this year Obviously, because of COVID and all the extra things going on, um, you know, I think it's okay. But going forward, I would not be a fan of this. Um, I feel like it's punishing the seven and eight seeds. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, and I feel like the NBA is having a shorter season that, you know, they're having less games this year. So that makes it a little bit more acceptable. But if they right. go back to yeah, right, like you said, because you don't know what would have happened in those ten other games that they eliminated. Yeah. yeah. So if you had, um, if you go back to the regular pre-COVID schedule, I don't think this is necessary because, uh, kind of like you said, it's it's kind of we kind of know the better teams, and it's still punishing because even if they win, they're coming into their next game with having less rest than they normally would have. So even if it's a you know, easy. I, I, I have no doubt the Magic would have beaten the, the Wizards in that situation. But then they have you know more games played in, than the Bucks do, and obviously they were already going to lose that. We know, but um, <laughs> they're at more of a disadvantage. Here's the thing I'll say is I, I do like the idea of this, but I would like it. I think even more if they just had a shorter regular season, go to like. Go to a go to a schedule where, you know, you really don't even need divisions at this point. You just have East and West and just play every team in the NBA twice, one home, one away game, 58 games and then do something like this. And then I feel like that would be something that would be a a better alternative, I think. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I will say I kind of agree with you on the getting rid of the divisions thing, because you know, I didn't actually know this. I just kind of assumed that it was true, but it actually is the case in the end. The NBA is the only one of the big four where this is the case that like you can win your division, but still miss the playoffs. Like if, if you're the nine seed and like, yeah, I mean, which, you know, the magic, I know the wizards were way behind, but say that was like the bulls in that spot and the bulls were really close and the magic ended up finishing like one game behind the bulls and the bulls got the eight, even though the magic were still the best team in the Southeast they still get, they still don't make it. And listen, I didn't know that because I know like in the NHL, in the NFL and in the MLB, if you win your division, that's a guaranteed spot, but it's not the case in the NBA. So, um, and and it's also too, isn't it like a guaranteed home playoff game? Like, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, So uh, that's another difference too. Right. In all, in all three of those sports, it is a guaranteed home because the NHL, does there because I will say, well, the NHL, they used to do it the way the NBA did with like, you know, the um, 
the top the eight from each conference. Yeah. But ever since they switched to four divisions, now they have it where it's like the top three teams in each division automatically get spots. And then like the other two are just at large bids from the conference. Um, mm-hmm. So, and like, and yeah, their playoffs are like, you know, I know like the hurricanes a couple seasons ago, we were, um, I think we were overall in points, like in terms of the metropolitan, we were in fourth, but had we been in the Atlantic, we would have been like second. Um, but going into the playoffs, since we had that wild card spot, instead of, you know, being, you know, the five seed per se, we were still the seven seed. So, um, but yeah, I, that sounds like an interesting idea. Um, hadn't thought about something like that, but that would be, yeah, just cause the regular season, I think has to be such a grind. Like, it's oh, there's yeah. really not much when you have especially the 82 game schedule that they have it's like you know spread out it, it's so taxing you know so many injuries and everything it's it, i think if you have a shortened season and then you you have every team play every team twice so you get a home game and a road game for every team mm-hmm. then you know then then it's true fairness across the board uh, on, the, on your schedule and all but uh, well, so if that's the case, then would you want to do seeding not based on conference? Well, that's that's my question to you. Then is that if that was going to be the case, then yeah. would you think that you would need, would need to actually instead of you know play two games against or against every team, but would you think maybe you need to play more games against teams in your conference? Because if that's the yeah, case, that's, then, then, that's then I feel like you just eliminate conferences at that point, and it's like it's just we seed them based on record at that point. I yeah I still don't I I'm I do think <laughs> that there it's tough to say because like you don't want to I don't at least for me anyways I wouldn't want to see like Lakers Celtics in the first round that just seems weird and then if, <laughs> if you get like a finals between um I don't know like Denver and Utah or something like that like it just I don't know. I I do kind of like how it's the East winner versus the West winner. Um, yeah, I feel like yeah, it's maybe something where the games and that you play in the East are worth more than they are in the West. Um, or it could be something where like you know, I mean, you could add say like an extra game against every team in your conference, and yeah. That, like and like maybe you just rotate every year like home and away. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you so, can do that. Yeah, well, kind of like how the NFL is planning to do with like Week 17, right? How you know mm-hmm. it's going to be this year, all the AFC teams are going to be home, and then next year it's going to be all the NFC teams are going to be home, something like that. So it's like if you know, like say the Lakers and Warriors, like you know they play you know, they have their home and away game. And then like, say this year, the Lakers are the home team, but then like next year, the Warriors are the home team for that third game. Yeah. So you're saying the Lakers and, but then are you saying the Lakers and Warriors play every year and that switches or. Yeah. Like if, if you're going to go by this format, so like you, yeah. Play... Okay. I, I see. I, I got, yeah, you. I yeah. Got you now. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's, this is, um, interesting to think about, uh, stuff, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Let's let's wonder take a look what, at I wonder the what potential. Too, too bad Eric's not here. I wonder what he would think about this. <laughs> I'm sure he, he probably has an opinion. Uh, we'll find we'll find out when he listens. Um, taking a look at some of the potential matchups, uh, we'll start with your Hornets here. They would be they're the eight right now. They would play the seven with the Celtics. Um, obviously, like the big advantage is to be the seven or the eight. Um, and I assume that the 
the lower seed, you know, the better team will get the home court advantage here in these games. But um, with that being said, you still want to be the seven or the eight. So you have two chances. I think the Hornets, uh, Boston is really slumping right now. They're on a losing streak. I feel like even though Charlotte's also kind of average right now, I think that's a good matchup for them. They should, I think they'd be pretty happy playing the Celtics. And then also too, um, between the Wizards and Pacers, I feel like those teams are also beatable. I, I think the Hornets out of these four teams here uh, are the most, I would say, like the, the highest percent to make the playoffs. Obviously, two will. But I would give the Hornets the best odds, in my opinion, to make it out of these four. What do you think? Well, if my only issue, my only, well, I don't know if that's an, this is an issue, but like my only concern with the Hornets right now is like, it's just the health problems. Cause you said the Celtics are banged up. Like the Hornets are banged up right now. Like obviously Gordon Hayward hasn't played in over a month. Um, you know, miles bridges right now has COVID protocols that are keeping him out. Devonte Graham has been hurt on and off this year. So um, I don't know. I honestly probably wouldn't want to play out of all these teams. I mean, the wizards would probably be the one I'd want to play the least just because I feel like they're a little bit hotter. Cause I remember at the start of the year, we were talking about them like, Oh man, the wizards are so bad. Like I know I made some joke there. about them that they're already out. <laughs> right. So, I mean, the wizards, they've really been, I think also, I mean, Eric actually touched on this when we were uh, talking about our fantasy basketball league. I think them having Russell Westbrook actually play in all the back to backs has really helped them a lot. So um, I feel like they're probably the team I want at least want to play. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't, if we can get, I think mainly we just need to get Hayward back um, because we got ball back, which honestly we didn't think we were going to bridges will obviously be back. Like COVID protocols don't keep you up that long. Like I don't, he didn't actually test positive. He's just like, you know, I think he might've been in contact with someone who did test positive. So they have to keep him out for however long, but um if we can get Hayward back, I mean, the Hornets were going on a streak with Hayward without Devontae Graham. So I'm not worried about Graham being hurt because Rozier has been playing out of his mind this year. So, um, and obviously Ball's been, you know, had he not gotten hurt, Ball would have probably still been the front runner for rookie of the year. So, um, yeah, I just we need to get healthy before this. And if we do get healthy, then I will love our chances because, you know, at one point we were the top team in our division. You know, we were beating the Hawks. We were beating the Heat. Um, you know, we even had a victory over, uh, we had a victory over the Bucks, not their practice squad, which we had at <laughs> one point. So it'll be interesting to see. I think the Hornets, if they can get healthy, they can match up with anyone. If not, then I'd say if you say the Hornets have the best chance, um, if they're healthy, I give them the best chance. If they're not healthy, I give the Wizards the best chance to come out of this. Yeah. Um, and and two, well, 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 I will I yeah. will say also, my reasoning for that too is that like you know obviously if you're the nine or ten you have to win two. It's because I think the Wizards will move up to that eighth spot, and then they yeah. can beat the Celtics and get in. Okay, I see. Um, let's take a look at the West now. So at seven you have the Lakers. At eight you have the Warriors. Nine the Grizzlies and ten the Spurs. Things can obviously change, but. Um, right now we're seeing a potential Lakers versus Warriors as the seven, eight, the winner becomes the seven. And then the loser goes to, to face the winner of Memphis and San Antonio. 
between Memphis and San Antonio, honestly, I think Memphis, if if Memphis does win that, then I think that that eight seed game becomes a real game. But if yeah. it's San Antonio, it's San Antonio is not going to get the eight seed. Yeah, I don't so, know. I mean, depending or even if they fall out and the Pelicans move into yeah. it, like I mean, especially I mean, <laughs> that's looking pretty unlikely now because obviously Zion got hurt. But yeah, I, I think the Spurs are kind of like the pretender in this group. Like they're just kind of here, you know, maybe keep that dream alive of going back to the playoffs <laughs> again. But it's well, it's their playoff good. streak got snapped last I know, year, so they don't even did, have so. <laughs> right. So it's like um, I, th- I think they're just kind of here. Just, you know, we're here. Don't forget about us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But between the Lakers and Warriors, this would be such a good game to see, I feel like. And if you're, let's say, the two seed, I guess Phoenix right now, um, who would you want to play? Would you rather have the Lakers or Warriors? <laughs> like, because the I Lakers mean... have the the health issues but a hot Steph Curry like I don't know (laughs) I mean it's so hard just to like you know honestly I mean it's so weird talking about this because you know we all expected the Lakers to be atop the Western Conference right now at this point in the season you know we all had them I mean literally I mean Nate made his pick too like out of the four of us you know we all had them in the finals and three of the four of us had them winning the finals so um it's it's a really interesting scenario for the Lakers to be down here. But I will say, I mean, they proved I would still want to face the Warriors if I'm Phoenix, because the Lakers to me last the other night when they like they pretty well, they handled Utah. Like if they can do that, that scares me, especially with LeBron not even playing. Like if AD is back in his form and he's back to, you know, where he was before, the Lakers are a very, very scary team that, you know, shouldn't even be in this spot, honestly. So, um, I mean, I'm not going to say the Warriors don't have a chance to take them down, but if I'm Phoenix, you know, and this is, if this actually happens this way, I am like, I'm literally hoping and praying that the Warriors win this game. And then if I'm the Jazz, I'm hoping and praying the Grizzlies can somehow find a way to beat the Lakers. Because the Lakers are the team that I think no one wants to face because they're not where they should be. They're just here because of all the injuries. Yeah, that, that's true. I I just don't think, like, with all the injuries and everything, like, stuff happening to LeBron, I just... Because the rest of the Lakers, other than AD and LeBron, are terrible. I I, I knew that before. <laughs> Kyle <but> after, Kuzma. <laughs> after watching their game against Portland, they were terrible, especially early on. They, none of them could make a, nobody could make a shot except for AD. Like he had like 35 points. Nobody else contributed. It felt like, um, yeah, Kyle Kuzma was terrible. I know they've got injuries, but still like, yeah, well, it's just one one of the things for me is like, they need to, I mean, really probably the biggest disappointment for them. I mean, I know Harold didn't play in that game, um, you know, and Schroeder's hurt, but like really, Drummond's been a huge disappointment for them. Remember how we were saying how like that could really help them, like in this tough time. Like he's been a huge disappointment. He fouled I mean, out in that game too, he, right? He went, like, two points. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you know. I think they kind of unfortunately like if Drummond can't find his game, then it, it will be tough for them, especially if they can't get healthy. Because I thought you know in my head I'm thinking okay, like even if someone's hurt, like 
you know, Drummond's kind of like that next piece and, you know, he's mm-hmm. really like he can step up and be there, but Drummond has been a major disappointment. So I, I don't know. You're, you're definitely right about the, uh, the health issues, but it's, you know, again, if I'm these other teams, I'm like, man, I sure hope they're not fully healthy because yeah, watch out <laughs> if they are. <laughs> yeah. And then you might see a case where you want to be the three seed to play Portland instead right. of the Lakers, you know? So who knows? Uh, who knows what's going to happen that that could help Portland out because they play some of those potential three seeds who might want to play Portland, and then you know we'll see. But uh, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna wrap things up on this episode, guys. Thanks for listening and watching, and we'll be back next week with a full NBA playoff preview episode. So stay tuned for that. And until then, remember be clutch. Bye. For Eric, peace.